I'm gonna let you finish, <sighs> Court and Amy. <sighs> and that, and it's the week where I always think it's actually the week of Thanksgiving, but it's actually not the week of Thanksgiving. One and I get that yeah, I get very confused, out. and that's just the way I roll. Confusion. <laughs> I am in a ball of confusion all of the time. How are well, you? We, I am good. We do have some guests on this show. Oh, I'm so excited. I put on concealer. None of you can see <laughs> it, of course, because I am literally concealed. So how would you know? We have the delicious, delightful, and absolutely brilliant Mark Pringle and Barney Hoskins, who are celebrating the 20th anniversary of their website, Rock Back Pages, and their podcast has been going for a couple of years. And Courtney, they are our first international guests. We are going to be talking to them from a foreign, they're in a foreign country. Very exciting. And it'll, you'll know what it is as soon as they start talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of foreign countries, <laughs> Los Angeles is a weird place, don't you think? I mean... <laughs> I have a very interesting thing with LA because it's very pretty when I'm there. I have a shit ton of friends that live there. You know, I used to have to fly back and forth there. Sometimes it'd be multiple times a month, but I was always a place I knew I never wanted to live. It's a weird place to me. You know, it's just, it, there's a lot of L.A. rules that kind of different than the New York East Coast rules. It's just a weird place. Well, we are talking about L.A. not because we want to be there, but because this we've been taught, we've been championing this underground, undersung uh, young woman artist. Yeah. Um, some what the lady. hell is her name? What is she? Yeah, so, what know. is her name? Like, what is her uh, name? Wait. Adele. Adele. Addie, Adele. Okay, Addie, yeah. Addie, Annie. Adele. Like Adele. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's her. it. Adele. Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to, you know, because we're here for the people. We want to support, especially young women artists. It's really hard to get a record on the air these days. Mm So Adele did a little intimate show, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the other night on CBS. Now, I and it was filmed in Los Angeles, beautiful location. Now, I will tell you that um, I didn't even remember it was on until I was on social media Mm -hmm. and saw somebody post it. Because as you know, Courtney, Sunday is 90 Day Fiancé night. you are very much dedicated. Yeah, you have your your moment with that. Yeah, I have to watch it in real time because Mm -hmm. I am watching it via phone with my best friend. So. Mm -hmm. So the little bit I did, so Adele, you know, English people do like L.A. because the weather in London is shit. So when they can go to L.A. and get sunshine, they're very excited. I watched bits and blabs of it. And all right, she looked amazing. Mm -hmm. We know that. She's Mm -hmm. impeccable. She's gorgeous. The setting was amazing. Mm -hmm. The problem was is that she was literally, it looked like the Academy Awards, like the (laughs) C-list of the Academy Awards. So you had Ellen DeGeneres. Okay, fine, whatever. The Kris Jenner and her whatever boyfriend. It was a very, we all know Adele is very rich and famous, right? We're not pretending she's not rich and famous. She's not going to go to Costco and go, Costco shoppers, come down the aisle four. Well, no. Well, what she said was, and she did address this in the beginning, yeah. that those, most of those people there she knew right. were friends because she knew she had to get out there, but she wanted to feel comfortable and she needed to perform. So I get that. 
Yeah. So I have no problem with it being an audience of like Drake was there and Lizzo, who seems to be like, there's an envelope opening on 12th Avenue and 43rd Street. Lizzo will be there in some outfit that we're not going to care about instead of being someplace in the studio really trying to get her fucking music Oh, Courtney. You're so judgmental. You want artists sure to work am. on their music? I sure am. I'm going to say that just, loud. Yeah. Stop being annoying and go make a great record because we all loved you and then you got super fucking annoying. It's like, I almost forgot that she makes music. Um. Well, I like I said, I only heard it was the preview of the record. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she sounds great, blah, blah, blah. It was a little disconcerting to have the constant cutting to the famous people. You know, her. she has been she is dating Rich Paul, who's a really big sports management guy. And I would have liked a little more LeBron, a little less Kris Jenner in terms of the vibe. But the the real issue was that Adele sat down with Oprah, who has managed the con I mean, she's not a bad interviewer, Oprah. I, I should back that up because I'm not saying I don't want like the I same people who hate me. Con. <laughs> she, but she is not the greatest interviewer of her time, but she has very brilliantly positioned herself as that and bless her heart. But the interview was like dripping with Los Angeles. Um, safe space, my journey, oh, owning my stuff. I don't want oh, no. to. Did you see all oh, the moment when, when they first sit down and she's like, because they're in Oprah's Rose Garden and right. she's like, and, and Adele says, to, it is almost like an English garden in Oprah. Of course, well, you know, my tea house is right over right. there. I know. Yeah. A shot. And I'm like, well, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah, goes, there you go. Of course she has house. a tea house. Of course. <laughs> Courtney, don't you have a tea house? Come on. Yeah, I got to tell you something. I really love Adele in the interview. I didn't really care about that interview. It seemed like very 1987 sort of big celebrity interview. Yeah. Like, I like when Adele is a little more... Hungover? No, not hungover, (laughs) but she's more like Maud. You know what I mean? She's more like Maud. And I like when she's giving that moment as opposed to... I really didn't care about her being divorced. I don't think any of us did. Like, she did have one of those public marriages. It's like, great, we just want the album. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, great, that's great. I appreciate that it's, you know, I mean, if you're you're talking about an album that is very personal and stuff like that, I, you know... Doesn't Perhaps. every artist say this is my most personal work? Yet? Well, Mary J. Blige says that every freaking <laughs> oh, album. No, well, every well, every album with her is, you know, I'm just her growth. <laughs> her growth. And you know, because I'm I'm her growth. strong, you know, I'm I've stronger. So much, and I'm yeah, like, my I'm growth. glad you are, but haven't you been Mary J. Blige at this point for like growing? How much more can you grow? Years? You can only grow so much and then you explode. Yeah, no, look, we all I, I, okay. Now I'm gonna okay, I have to talk when I say this, I've suddenly begun to realize that I like the idea of an Adele more than I actually like. I like Adele as a human being. I think she's great. I think she's a lot of fun. And look, this was CBS. This is Oprah. This is, you know, the big Barbara Streisand interview type Mm -hmm. of thing. This is very mainstream. She couldn't get up there smoking a blunt and, you know, like kicking it. Okay. I understand all that. It was a little much. Mm -hmm. Okay. But her songs are all starting. To, I like her up tempo more. They're starting well, all yeah. kind of be the same. And well, she's what starting, it is, is, yes, it's big. Well, you could tell it's this is big. About, now we just know now that this is about to be an album full of emotional, like piano y, right? Big, big. It's going to so be big. So it's kind of like if I, if I could be 1000% honest with you, I was a little bored. 
Yeah, I just that's just me. I get. I I, I was. I I'll be ninety nine point nine percent honest with you. I was a lot more. <laughs> and like you, I really enjoy Adele. I think she's great. I was invited to a concert. I did not go because for me, as much as I love her voice, I was like, I understand what it is. I've yeah. seen her sing. I don't feel like I need two hours of that. Yeah, there's but not going to be a show. Great. Yeah, there's not going to be a and, show. And it is a show if you like that kind of show. And yes. I, I, and I have been in the mood for that sort of show. You know what I mean? But I also understand there are people that I love on record that I don't need to see live. Yeah, and I just no. know. And I believe she's one of, and like I said, I've seen, if you've never seen her sing live, you should see her sing live once because she does really, she's one of those people who does sound incredible. And can sound like her record, right? And that's what most people want. When you go see somebody, you need them to sound 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 like your like like the records. I, I look, but like you, I feel it. The idea, I love. I, I love. love it. I, I I'm a huge fan of her very first album. Yes. To me, 19 is the album. And the second album. And the second album. I enjoyed the second album, but the first one is the one for me. Like, I, the introduction to that voice, I love those songs. And then, you know, 21 is amazing. That just, you know, did the thing. 25, I thought, was the album where Hello is great. You have some, I like when we were young, but that's the, at that point, she could have been singing the nursery book and everybody would just be like, yeah. I love this. Well, it's the record comes out this Friday. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be a little blip on the radar. You know, yeah, no you one's going to hear. Yeah, I don't know. If it, I don't know. Hope, I hope, hope when it hope, sells. I hope, go- I hope it debuts good. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope when it goes gold, they acknowledge our help and give us a little plaque, you know? Right. When All it goes right, well, gold in the first half hour of being right, a exactly. When it goes release. gold before they can finish saying, uh, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of another woman who really. Uh, all right. So Taylor Swift, she's been re-recording all her albums because uh, Scooter Braun took them from her. And, and, and that's all fine. Now, a, a true admission, the only song I, I never heard read. Um, I like the song that everybody who doesn't like Taylor Swift likes. Um, the I knew you were trouble song because everybody likes I that mean, song. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. everybody likes that song. If they don't like Taylor Swift, um, I just think at this and I understand she's re-recording. I think at this point, when you are 32, 33 years old, and you're up there singing a 10 minute mini series about Jake Gyllenhaal of all people breaking up with you when you were 20, and you went out for what three months. Yeah, but let it to, go. Let yeah, it go. But, yeah, I, but I don't feel like I, I have a different stance on that, right? Because I, her performing that version of the song is because that is really was never a single, and that song is one of her most requested and biggest fan favorites. And yeah. they knew that there was a longer version because she had talked about it and chopped it down. So. To me, it made sense her doing that because she put out the little mini movie and, I, and possibly, you know, all of the fans are attributing it to Jake and because of that period in time. But I will say this about her. Now, she's someone I actually appreciate for a different reason, because I don't really enjoy her singing voice live ever at all. I don't. I think she has a very flat. It's a, it's a weird, thin, very it's, thin. it's a weird singing voice. But I do enjoy I have enjoyed, and I think I've said this to you before, her adult records, like as she's gotten older. I thought Lover was great. I think Folklore is great. Folklore is very good. And I've enjoyed these re-recorded albums, re-record Fearless Taylor's version I thought was really good. And I really like this re-record on Red because as someone who was not 
a Taylor Swift fan. The one song that she had that I actually really liked was We Are Never, Ever, Ever Getting Back Together. And that's yeah. on this. But I just like the vocals and I like why she's doing it, because I do believe that I understand that people invest in artists. But then I always feel like that should be some sort of 50-50 split. It can't be like, well, I gave you the money. It's like, and I helped produce your record. It's like, but it does not work without the artist. Right. I guess so my like, objection is so, like, you're not breaking up with someone if you went out with them for three months. No, but you know, I think the fans have put more on to that whole story and have brought that back than her. You know what I mean? Just because of the time period of when the album was recorded. Yeah. And I can remember being in my early 20s and dumb and thinking I was in a relationship or whatever that was, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you're, you're a little mm. less mature about it than you think you are. You think you're mature. Then you look back and you say, oh, whatever. That being said, she did the performance on Saturday Night Live. And I just remember sitting there going, you, like, she what? can't you sing. Know, you, say you, it. You've been on tour for a long time. <laughs> can't you've sing. You've been singing for a long time. <laughs> What is it with these vocals that just seem like she can't sing? But it's just a weird thing. It's She's weird. a great, very good songwriter. She is not Excellent a strong songwriter. singer. She's no. not a strong singer, and that's it. And but uh, you know, it, but it, I like her fight. I like her. I like yeah. anybody who's trying to fight for other artists because you know Ashanti is now doing that. She is re-recording her first album because well, here's the thing. Those songs get played a lot. And no, Herb, I, I'm not laughing because of that. Herb just... Gotti owns all of those masters right. and he's mad at her and he's making public statements saying, yeah, I own those masters and she's trying to basically fuck me out of my money. And it's like, okay. well, clearly she feels like she's being fucked out of her money because she's it's been 20 something years. And it's like the fact that she has no ownership in the masters. I do wish there was some laws put into place where there comes a point where the artist's work has to revert back to them. I don't think you should be able to just keep someone's work forever and then and be like, well, I paid for this. You did, but you've made your money a hundred times fold. It's like there has to be a way for people who wrote this work and perform this work to get their work back. And I don't believe you should just be able to sell it to some conglomerate of faceless people right. who are just going to go out and shove it in commercials and movies and do whatever they want with your work, you know? So I will give it to Taylor Swift for that. But baby, when she starts singing, Amy, mm -mm. I'm just always sitting there going, I want to really like you. No, you don't have to. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, she seems like a nice person, but I don't want right. to listen to her sing. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So if Brittany is free. And you know what the best thing about this is, Courtney? Mm -hmm. I no longer have to pretend to give a fuck about her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm very glad that yes. the conservatorship has been over. Yes. I would like, as the kids say, to see all these free Britney people keep that same energy and direct it maybe at people who, and I'm not just counting what the woman went through. It's mm -hmm. sexist. It's misogynist. We know plenty of men who have acted the fool way worse than she has. Mm -hmm. And that had somebody clamped down. But I would like to see people now turn their attention, if they wish, to the plight of those who don't have the means to do this, uh, to fight things. And who well, are I will, well, if you will see, this kind of case has put conservatorship 
really in the spotlight. No, it has. And, and you know, I'd like to see yeah. it maybe go into mm. a, a situation where we now have laws. Yeah, and stuff. absolutely. But, you know, uh, yay, Brittany, let's go. Another person who seems like a perfectly nice person, though I think she's a Republican, but whatever. Um, you know, she can't yeah, I don't care about what party people I do. are. Yeah, we yeah. always go into this. I, yeah, do. I, do. I know you do. I don't, I don't care about that. Do. You know what I mean? But because I'm glad I know she's pretty, pretty. plenty rotten-ass Democrats, so I'm not even, you know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah. I, I just think it's important that we don't listen i'm glad that her team her new team said we have we have fail safes in place to protect her and her money and her career but she is making her choices so that makes me happy because even if she has some things going on with her mental health whatever it is we don't see listen andy dick just again got arrested for right. hitting well, his man with like he's done so much crazy shit. No one has put him in a there's well, nobody, so many men. That's because do, nobody cares about him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm not trying to be mean. No, but, but I'm you just know, saying for nobody the years, cares. The crazy things. You've never heard anybody swooping and saying we have to put you and right. men get to do all kinds of really right. bad shit. Right. That's and it. nobody's like, we need to put you in a conservatorship. Right. So if she were and even if she were to lose her money, guess what? People lose their money. She made it. She can. She'll be able to lose it if she wants to. Hopefully that won't happen. But it's like, I've had a friend of mine say, she's been so crazy lately. And I had to say, well, could you imagine for 13 years, somebody controlling every move of your life? You don't have the keys to your car. You can't do anything. You can't just go have a drink. You can't hang out with your friends. You, you can't do anything. And you're paying all of the people millions of dollars. I think I'd go crazy too. Well, so congrats, Brittany. Congrats, Take some Brittany. time. Go mm-hmm. chill out. Enjoy your freedom and yeah, bozzy, bozzy, you know, bozzy. stay out of the studio. All right, brief. Uh, let's do the go brief. back in the studio because I want to stay out of the studio. No, I want to break. Brief. As for word that the lawsuits are coming in, one more person has can died. I just, and none can I just, that shit gets worse every day, man. Uh-huh. It gets worse every because now you're just hearing about things where you're hearing the communications breakdown of people being like close stop the show and no one stopped the show right it's really a we've pro- said. and yeah, then it's- you're hearing that they went out and they had a big old after party at a strip club and i'm just kind of like your show got stopped early and it was like well we didn't know what was happening the show got stopped <laughs> there was clearly an event happening you are the organizer of this event, sir. And I'm looking at Live Nation. How did you not know? Like, the shit was going... By the time the show stopped, the event was going on for damn near an hour. So I'm very confused. There's a lot of people in trouble. God bless the souls of the people who passed away, including young nine-year-old Ezra, which is just horrific, and people who are still in the hospital. And I just hope they get justice for those families, because that's just... I've, I think you and I both have said it. No one's supposed to die going to a concert. That's supposed to be the most fun. You're not supposed to die going to a show, you know? Um, all right. So we, do you want to uh, talk a little about Diana Ross and we'll talk, or do you want to talk about Silk Sonic with, with Barney and, um, and Mark? You know what's really funny? I have the Silk Sonic record. I've not played it. All right, well, I am be, not be, a Bruno Mars fan. All right, I know well, when I tell that to people. No, let's like, let's not, talk yeah. about them with them though, because yeah. they might have an interesting perspective of it. Because I don't, I wonder how big his if he's an internet. Let's talk about it with them because I'd be interested. Well, in, yeah, Bruno's absolutely a big internet. Yeah, artist. I'd be interested in yeah. hear what they have to say about it. So you and wanna, Diana Ross is, I'm. This is the great mystery to me with this record. She signs with Decca out of the UK. 
This is her first album of original material in 15 years. They've done remixes of the first two singles. Thank you. The name of the album is Thank You. Thank you. And I wish people would dance. And then the release week comes and there's nothing. Nothing. There's no yeah. Diana Ross. There's no interviews. There's no special. To me, it feels like something happened. Like someone's not happy with the record or she's just like, I'm not promoting this record. But that makes zero sense because the record is basically dead on arrival everywhere it's come around the world. And for her to have her first album of new material in 15 years, the silence is deafening. And I'm I'm just really kind of confused as to why even make the record if no one's going to pr- really promote it. You know, I've seen uh, some reviews, but yeah. just nothing. I didn't we even knew know. I, yeah, we knew ABBA was coming, right? And they had their debut. They debuted at number one in the UK. They debuted, I believe, at number two or three here. Right. Because um, right. Summer Walker got one here. So I believe they, they got number two. Yeah, that people love that record. Let's, you know what? We have a little time to talk about Silk Sonic. So let me tell yeah. you about, all right. Mm-hmm. So Silk Sonic, for those of you who've been napping for the past six months, is Anderson Pack great artist uh, Bruno Mars uh, and then a bunch of people standing behind them playing instruments. So I like Bruno Mars because I am a sucker for a hook and showmanship and choreography. And he seems like he's having a good time. And I am, I mean, he's a former Elvis impersonator. He Mm. had me at that. So I think he writes great songs. He writes them usually with his partners. I don't know whether they're involved in this. I enjoy all of that. I am very aware that he is derivative as all get out. You can literally point to almost all of hits and go, Oh, look, that's message in a bottle. Oh, look, that's every song the time have ever done. Um, So the, I listened to the record at home and then I was at someone's house and they were playing it. And I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. But I keep wondering, is this, and there are modern touches. I mean, Bootsy's mm-hmm. on it, Thundercat's on it. There's some really good songs, but I keep going, is this an homage record or is this an actual record? I mean, it is lots of artists. Look, Raphael Sadiq does that. People go to certain times. It's very much the seventies, the stylistics, all that. I, and there are little touches of their humor, but I, I, I'm still cons- I'm still confused. Is this a record so that old people can go, oh yeah, they're making real music again, which right. is like put a gun to my head with that. Or is I I it's a lot of fun. It just feels like a project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels like a project. So it is a lot of fun. The songs are good. They're obviously having a blast. The videos are very kind of tongue-in-cheek in a why in a mm-hmm. way. But I, I I I don't know whether I'm supposed to take it. Does that sound weird? Whether I'm supposed to take no. it seriously? No, here's Do you know thing. what I mean? I I couldn't even click. And like you listen, I, the first song that they put out was fine. I just you know, I I get the homage and everything right. and what they're trying to do. I, yeah, it's. Fun. I just don't. Gi- I just don't give a shit. <laughs> All right. And you would think that I would like a Bruno Mars. He's insanely talented. It's not like he can't. And so's Anderson. And so's Anderson. But I, to me, it's like watching paint dry on a dirty spatula. I'll give him a little more than that. All right. Um, Barney and Mark are now joining us from a land far, far away. It's like Um, a land that's far away, except it's far and away. Far and away. (laughs) It's far and away. And we unfortunately can no longer introduce them as being from Europe because they went and screwed that whole thing up with Brexit, didn't they? 
but not Mark and Barney. They would never vote for Brexit. But we were going to say we have European guests, but they're, they're from a country that doesn't want to be Europe anymore. Blah, blah, blah. No. God save the queen. I Listen, hear you laughing. And I want to say... Put don't your fuck pick. With, no, I am insisting. Queen Elizabeth because Queen Elizabeth is going through it, and I need her to be all right because, like, she's had a shit year. I know. Mark Pringle, <laughs> I want to see your charming face. Get your turn your thing. Ah, Mark, you got a haircut. <laughs> Hi. Um, as you know, I attempted to make. Uh, it's nine in the morning here, and I have a cold. But Courtney always looks good. But I attempted. Hi, guys. I, I have lighting though. Like I have yeah, a whole lighting, lighting rig system because I I'm like no listen. Lighting. And in any moment, I'm gonna have a cat jumping into the frame. I'm yeah, just born. I've already got that. Oh, Rudy, <laughs> get over here. Hi, Mark. Hi, Barney. Hi. 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 Brittany, this is Mark and Barney, my two fa- I talk about oh, you yeah, guys yeah. like all the time. You're <laughs> my like you're like my Zane and Harry Styles. <laughs> you're my favorite boy band. <laughs> no pressure then. No, no pressure. pressure. Absolutely no. You're my favorite boy band, except that I know you didn't allegedly hit the mother of your girlfriend. <laughs> so having watched Yolanda on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I might have hit her too. But that's or put out like three shitty albums. But that's a whole other story. But that's a whole other story. Barney, Why would Barney, I attack? Barney, do you know what do you know what they're talking about, Barney? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, right. nobody ever knows what we're talking about. Right. That's the joy of this I know. Show. I, I told you you're gonna have to do two things. You're gonna have to we'll get into it. You're gonna have to explain why you ate Oasis and you're gonna have to explain to Courtney why sugar babes aren't big in the United States and that's okay, well, and then we're done with you well one I hate that's Oasis. all you require of us yeah. that's yeah, it that's all we want you know I hate, Oasis. I hate Oasis too though <laughs> I do not understand the Oasis thing I didn't understand it when they were all out right, well, when everybody this- was acting like they were the biggest thing on the planet I was like it's fine all right. So, it's, it's the other way around Amy's got to explain to us mm-hmm. why she has time for that loathsome loathsome combination right, let's get let's and which, one, and which one is the shitty one? There's one Both of them are real, shitty. Who like, cares? There's a real shitty one in there. Liam. Okay. Liam's the yeah. shitty one. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> okay. And then, we, first of all, why don't you promote, talk about Rocks Back Pages. So I love Rocks Back Pages, and I did not know it was your 20th anniversary. That's kind of amazing. So can you explain to our viewers who are playing the at-home version uh, <laughs> what, what Rocks Back Pages is all about. Yeah, it must be surprising because we look so young, don't we, Amy? How can it possibly do you know that you and I are 10 days apart? Our birthdays are 10 days In what sense? In what? You were born. No, no, no. Yeah, yours is in metric and mine is in regular. You were born May 5th, yes? That is correct. I'm May 15th. Wow. Same year. That's fantastic. That's the Torian bonding thing, man. I, I've, I've always you feel felt the it. energy. You We're both very grounded. Torian bonding. Is that another way of saying bullshit? Yeah. Pretty much. Sorry. Do warn us about use of language on your podcast. No, no, no. Just don't speak uh, English. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't. Okay. This, this curse. Hey, this is a, this is a, 
not ready for prime time. No, we, we curse a lot. I'm trying to control it. We're trying I know to you, curse less. We're trying to curse less. We're trying to curse less. All right. So shill away, my friend. Shill away about Rock Back Pages. Uh, well, you're on it, Amy, uh, for a start. <laughs> in case you didn't know i know um, i get i get a letter every year letting me know that at once the earnings get up to 110 pounds i can then get 30 cent 35 dollars sent to me through a bank in london and i just go screw it it's not worth it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's well you're, you're really selling it though <laughs> but the fact that you even attempt to pay writers isn't astounding we do attempt to pay writers yeah <laughs> which is almost as good as actually paying them no writers mm-hmm. have been paid by rocks back pages i have gotten I, i'm going on the record is yeah. it, that's correct isn't it mark it is but i'm not going to say it's much all right we i mean it's it. you know anyway we're not here to talk about money are we we're talk no no we're no, no 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 we're to talk about oh, okay so money. what do you want us to say about rocks back pages other than you know what you should listen to the lenny k episode that mm. we just did and he does a much better sales job <laughs> um than we ever could i mean he's so lovely about rbp and he has been on it since almost the word go like almost 20 years um so we How'd did you come great- up with the concept okay courtney the concept was was this that um i had just come back from uh four years in america as mojo's u.s correspondent okay and i was like casting around for things to do and it was slap bang in the middle of the dot-com mania that you you're probably too young courtney to remember this i don't know um <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a hundred years old. I'm older than I look. <laughs> Psychologically, you may be. Um, you Barney, I'm a little hurt you. that you did not say you're probably too young, but that's okay. But I was just, I was addressing Courtney. <laughs> I'll, I'll get on to you and how Understood. young you look Thank in you a minute. Much. All right, wait your turn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pop a lozenge. Go. But so anyway, look, we'll keep this brief. I, I, um, I just had this kind of uh, vision. I had a vision, Courtney, of mm. uh, a kind of digital library. Um, the, I, I, I kind of saw uh, a list of articles starting, you know, uh, at the beginning of an artist's career and, um, and and coming up to the present day. So just like the whole story of whoever it might be, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Otis Redding, Roy Harper, uh, Public Enemy, you name it. Just that was what it was going to be. It was going to we were going to try and start with the very first interview that anyone ever did, or the first piece of press that any artist ever got, and then just kind of keep it as up to date as possible, add as many things as we possibly could. And so we started out. I basically had met Mark um, through uh, um, <clears throat> Martin Collier, our mutual friend and yeah. co-founder, and we shared lots of. Um, musical obsessions and mark was well i'll hand it over to you mark you had actually built websites we're uh, talking uh, about 1999 stone this, age this mm. is really tragic i built websites i even got into a thing called Sud's corner and private eye in 1995 for building a, 1996 for building a website celebrating my daughter's birth how's that sort of you know <laughs> um anyway yeah you know um I, i've been building websites mostly for photographers and designers um, and uh, Barney ran me up and said, I've had this idea. Uh, 
And we went and had lunch, kicked the idea around, and within two years, I was flat broke, I seem to remember. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty yeah. much so that's the story right yeah. <laughs> beginning of the story um yeah and the yeah. dot-com boom we we, we, we look I, I admit we did have crazed visions we called it the route to the yacht mm-hmm. it was the route to yacht rock actually <laughs> as it turned out it mm. was the, the route to yacht um and of course within months of us getting going on this, the dot-com bubble. Yeah, birth, yeah. Um, Which is actually in some ways the best thing that happened to us. We didn't get invested in by some bunch of scalpers. You know, we we raised money from family and friends. And uh, so... That's probably why we're still here today. Nice. I think I, th- I think we'd have got under if we'd followed that route. That's the interesting yeah. thing about a pivot, because sometimes you'll have a plan and you think this is it, and a pivot kind of takes you to where you really need to go, and you don't even know it. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You you accumulate. So I know that you and I need to talk to you guys because during the first initial lockdown, you know, when we thought this was going to be three weeks, um, <laughs> I started cleaning. What a concept. And I went through my <laughs> files and I went, oh, shit, I talked to a lot of people back in the day. I need to send me some Barney and Mark. So we'll talk later because I found like a veritable treasure trove oh, great. of meaningless interviews um, with important people. Um, you <laughs> well, started I bet they're not really- meaningless. I bet they're no, not well, meaningless. I mean, they're, listen, you need that Mark Morrison interview. <laughs> we do. Probably. Absolutely. I think I have one. I think I have one. I think okay. I have one. Okay. Um, but Send it over. Re- yeah, what's really cool is that you guys, what you're basically doing is setting up a library. I mean, you're setting up all these articles because, uh, for obvious reasons, pre-internet, unless you were an obsessive and you saved everything, where were you going to find these articles? So that's what's a really cool thing about it is that you can literally go back if you're a music nerd or if you're somebody who kind of wants to know the roots of this stuff, you can go back to the seventies and read Ellen Willis and read Lester Banks and read sort of the, the people who put this in motion. If you're a writer um, or if you're a fan. So that's super cool. About yeah. It. I, I think for, for me, the great discovery is the stuff before the serious rock writers. Right. Um, you know, as part of the, you know, we, we we deal with writers who we have direct agreements with or with their their executives, their successors. Um, so it's not like just pulling stuff willy nilly down from everywhere. Um, uh, and we got people like Penny Valentine, who wrote for Disco Music Echo back in the sixties, who went on to write for Sounds. And via her and via other people, we got a whole bunch of writers who wrote for the English pop press in the sixties, who are all forgotten about, mostly women. Actually, yeah, you know? that's and, cool. And it's been this, it's been this fantastic discovery. And she died a week or so ago. Maureen Cleave, we got on board very late. She was the person who did the interview with John Lennon, where he said the Beatles are more popular than Jesus. Yeah, uh, and I've just got access to a whole shred load of the stuff, including like interviews with Sister Rosetta Tharp from nineteen sixty four. Isn't that cool? Wow. You know, I don't think I've ever read an interview. Me with neither. Me no, neither. I don't think I've ever read an interview. Me with her, so that's that's pretty amazing. That should be cool. Well, that'll be coming real soon, won't it, Mark? That'll be next week, I think it's going. Yeah, yeah. really cool. Yeah. 
Uh, so yes. that's really what we're all about. I mean, yeah. just to me, that's it. it. When you talk about being able to read and access and read an interview with Sister Rosetta, you know, then it's sort of like, yeah, okay, I get it. I don't really need to kind of explain anymore what it's right. about. Exactly. I mean, I know the, the other thing is it's about contemporary journalism. I mean, sure, we, we run more recent retrospective pieces about the history of this band or that band. Mm. But really what's interesting is stuff written at the time about the bands when they were going there and then we got Virus's son, um, a guy called Philip Elwood, who wrote for the San Francisco Examiner from about, 19, yeah. from about 1962, 63, right up to the time he died, which was, I think, about 2000. Um, and it's gold dust because he's going to the Fillmore and seeing the dead playing with Miles Davis. Yeah, like the first day, shows right? by everyone. You know, the first you know, shows by everyone at the Fillmore. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's so exciting. I find that so exciting. You know, well, what, just, what makes it really exciting to me is back, especially we're talking 50s, 60s, 70s, into the early 80s, too. It wasn't like it is now and later where everybody has a publicist and a story crafted. Journalists were really with the bands. They yeah. were going on the road with the bands. They were at these shows and just having these conversations. And I think you get a better sense of someone as opposed to the, you know, the later half where now, you know, there's a publicist that what can you can talk about, what you can't talk about, here's your scope and this. Yeah. And it's a much more guarded situation with, a, you know, with just a different energy. And when you read all of the older articles, I really do feel like you got more of an insight as to the record, the, the artist making the record, and just you could feel that time. And it just feels a little more authentic than now where, you know, you can kind of be fed like this line, and you kind of see that narrative through all of the articles. It's pre-industry. It's yeah. pre-ind, you know, capital I industry, which is really fascinating. And what another thing I like a lot about the site, other than it makes it really easy for me to find stuff I've written that I forgot I wrote, and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. the main object. That's the main point <laughs> of it, Amy. That's really why we did, why we built it, so you could e more easily find your articles. Find her, her, li her live review of Barney, as in the puppet character. That's when I'm going to post soon. <laughs> okay. As her machine. I think she froze again. She, like, she froze. She's frozen. She's frozen. Her machine well, let's, do that you know what? Let's, ju time. let's just, let's just, uh, let's, let's just take advantage of the fact that Amy's frozen. <laughs> right. Um, but Courtney, just yep. to, I mean, you, you, you're absolutely right that in a sense, journalists back in that era were almost like embedded in the lives of bands and scenes. And, you know, it led to uh, much more of a kind of a, a real experience of kind of getting backstage, you know, the best writers took you backstage with them. Right. And, and, you know, and now it's so much more kind of orchestrated and controlled. So uh, I, I, Certainly, for, for me, uh, growing up and reading, you know, particularly like the enemy in the 70s, you, you didn't have this sense that there was kind of a PR hovering in the wings. Right. You know, you, you went on the road with these bands right. <laughs> through the reporting um, and interviewing in, 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 in that paper and other papers. You know, those were the main, I mean, enemy melody maker sounds, et cetera, were the things we had more access to. We didn't often see American publications, but we grabbed them when we could, didn't we, right. Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, Rolling Stone was freely available in the, in the UK, much harder to get hold of Cream, Crawdaddy, yeah. Fusion, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Rolling Stone, 
um, I think it was actually even printed in this country, the, the British edition, you know, and uh, a lot of people got it. I got my copy of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars as a giveaway with my subscription to Rolling Stone. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, we've, we've, you know, spent a lot of time kind of catching up with stuff like that, that we didn't have access to. I mean, yeah. I've spent time in the States uh, over the last 40 years. And, and therefore, I mean, I have read a lot of great American journals. I mean, one yeah. of the things that was, was helpful was that I had, I had spent time in the States and I'd had these four years like corresponding for Mojo. Hello again, unfrozen Amy. Maybe um, I should cash those checks you sent me. So buy <laughs> yeah. We'll pay for better mm-hmm. bandwidth. Yeah. Okay. But so I knew a lot of American writers. Right. This was the, this was a helpful thing, yeah. you know, um, I got to know quite a lot of writers in in LA and in New York and and all over America actually. So when Mark and I got rolling, we were able to bring in you know about like 10, 15, 20 American writers and, and about a similar number of UK writers and we got the ball rolling that way by just getting oh, yeah. some, I mean as I mentioned Lenny K earlier, just the fact that we were able to say we had Lenny K on board right. and Charles John Murray um, and Penny Valentine and so forth. Um, it just meant that that other writers who might not have taken this that seriously, like, what is this? Some little kind of hobby that you're, you're starting. We're kind of like, yeah, I want to be in that club, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it gives it a legitimacy to people, right? Yeah. They see, see names that they're absolutely familiar with. They're like, well, I know that person and I know that what they do. And if they're there, yeah, I want to be there. I think I told you guys this. I mean, I was, and it just explains so much about my completely fucked up romantic life. Um, <laughs> can I, you just say? Can you just say that again, Amy? My, my completely fucked, fucked up romantic up life, romantic life, and why men find me fascinating and yet want nothing to do with me mm-hmm. is because when I was in high school, when I should have been reading Seventeen magazine or How to Put on Makeup and Be Normal. I would go to the library and read Crawdaddy and Cream <laughs> and Rolling Stone and be yeah. like, I want to meet Charles M. Young one day. Yeah. And he was like super cool. He was super that, cool. But I was like, up. I wanted to be a rock <laughs> critic. Yeah. As well as a rock goddess. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But Which is I obviously was, how we think of you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, but I just, it was like, that was like, I wanted to, I thought it was like so cool. Cause I was like, I like music. I like to write, you know, yeah. I know I yeah. can write about music. Cause you don't really need to know how to write. Have you had any yeah. writers say no to you guys? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Robert Christgau is one. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, only because he sort of got his whole, you know, yeah. everything online anyway, I think, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, so, I mean so, you know, so, so, some of the big boys, partly because a lot of the big boys wrote for Rolling Stone and Rolling Stone took their copyrights, even if they were oh. freelancers. Oh, so, wow. So, so, Go I mean, yawn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, ruthlessly. I mean, it's, wow. it's extraordinary. Um, of course, that wouldn't stand up in a, in a court of law because right. it didn't provide anything that you could give, you get copyrights for, which is things like pensions, healthcare, and so on and so forth, you know, right. yeah. but, but a lot of people, a lot of that, uh, people like Cameron Crowe came on board and then I think decided that he'd probably be able to make more money 
looking after his own catalog, which I which I understand. Right. And he's um, been a big he's been a big like booster of ours. Um yeah. and in our recent 20th anniversary campaign, he furnished us with a very, very lovely quote. I mean, he's yeah. been nothing, nothing but generous Absolutely. towards us. And we're hoping to get him on the podcast. I mean, he's an all-around decent guy. And uh yeah. So um but I mean very few I mean more and more people have come on board and yeah. we do have a, a, you know, a lot of the, the Rolling Stone greats, you know, including, I mean, I know don't, people don't think of Lester Bangs uh, as primarily a Rolling Stone writer, but obviously he did a lot of stuff for Stone. Um, and we have, you know, we have some Lester Bangs on, on RBP uh, as a result of uh, John Morthland and Billy Altman kind of giving us the okay. Billy is the uh, nicest yeah. guy. And, you know, Billy sure. is like a scorekeeper for the Mets. That's what he does. In his oh, really? Yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, no, that's no. Very he, that's like his side gig. He's a scorekeeper okay. for the Mets. Oh, the Mets are fantastic. baseball, Mark. I, 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 I know that. Amy. They suck. <laughs> they suck. Yeah. It's but called they are baseball. baseball. They suck. Yeah. And I love them because I'm a Queens boy. And, you know, yes. they're the first team Chase I ever Stadium saw. The first team I ever win. saw was a Mets it, game. Isn't, isn't that the sport we call rounders, Barney? <laughs> whatever why you got to ruin everything for us okay yeah, i, I got to ruin everything for us it's the oh, world series and we're the only country that participates just remember that we are the world, the world. <laughs> you are the world <laughs> which is ironic given the, the other nations play baseball i mean yeah you know, whatever what, uh, okay whatever you know, japan what, plays baseball yeah. You know, a uh, lot of Latin, um, Central American, Latin American yeah, people oh, play baseball. Huge, yeah. huge. And, and right. do they get to play in the World Series? The fuck? Uh, Mark, do. if you're going to interject this conversation with facts, we're going to have to leave you, ask you to leave right now. <laughs> yeah. Because we're talking about Because we're okay? America. We don't deal in We're in America, anymore. for God's sake. We just say it and then we scream it on and television. And then we scream it loud enough and we get true. you to believe it. Remember, Mark, it's De La Soul. Who cares about it? I just want to say, okay, you know, if you listen to us, you know, Courtney and I are obsessed with Pet Shop Boys and he, that Neil Tennant interview you did was, uh, okay, wait a minute, we're going to have a moment. Okay, yeah. um, that Neil Tennant interview you did, I mean, I've listened to a lot of your stuff, but that one just, oh. Uh, because he is kind of dreamy. I mean, he was he, lovely. He yeah. was an absolute joy. I mean, we all basically fell completely in love with him. We were, mm. we we had him like we had you in our terrible little office in the, the closet, we, like the literally closet. in the yeah, closet. We were in the closet with in, Neil. In, in, definitely, <laughs> we were, no, Neil was going in, into the closet. In, and we were coming out of the closet. <laughs> um, and he was just a delight. He was just a delight. You know, um, he was funny. He was self-effacing. He was so not up his own ass. It was unbelievable. Just yeah. brilliant. Uh, yeah, possibly yeah, my favorite. Possibly, aside from, of course, Amy, you being a guest, I'd say that Neil is quite possibly my favorite guest we've had. Well, you love the one that he's a writer, right? He has that background yeah. and and writing for pop in music. And then, to me, I say this all the time about them: they are, to me, the top dance act in the world and have been for decades. Oh, they have nice. always been on the cutting edge of dance. They've always written really smart dance. Mm -hmm. They have worked with every fierce producer along the way. And they are still making, to me, really important, great, great music. I just love them. I love them. I love the, the best, artistry. Yeah, they're just- Two of the best live shows. Just, just, and yeah, I, no, I, I have fantastic. seen everybody live. 
He's I've never seen, seen them. I've seen them four times. <laughs> They're amazing. Put, the, the, other so, about, the other thing about Neil is he's such good. I love his writing for Smash yes. Hits. Primary. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of writing you don't get in America. I mean, mm. it's a very, very English style of thing where basically you can be as you can make as many jokes about the band you're interviewing as you like. You can be as sarcastic, piss-taking as you like. And 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 he's an absolute exemplar of that. You know, some of his stuff, Smash It's, is the funniest writing you'll ever read about anything. And, and you know, what's what I find really amusing is a lot of American acts, when I came over to England first time around, they'd get a lot of praise. And then they'd come yeah. over the second time and get torn to pieces by the English press. And I love reading interviews in the American music press where they're moaning about the English music press. Mm. They go, oh, geez, those guys. Patti Smith, for example, mm-hmm. you know, got savaged. Radio Ethiopia got absolutely savaged. And we got an interview with dear Lenny. Um, Sandy Robertson was walking down the King's Road in Chelsea interviewing him. And Lenny has spent the whole interview moaning about how the English rock press had turned on Patti. <laughs> well, the English but press you guys always made you guys made the, the American press story too. It's so funny. It's like everybody gets really insistent about that. Like every artist that I've ever worked with, I'm like, my advice is always, I'm like, don't read any of it. I'm like, don't read. <laughs> no, really. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, don't read the good or don't read the bad because yeah, yeah. that's gonna get in your head. I was like, and it's only one person's opinion. I was like, so if you don't, because if you want to believe all the good, it's hard to not believe all the bad. Sure. So sometimes I'm like, do your interview be great, but don't read it yourself. Yeah. Don't read the good. Don't read the bad. Don't go on Twitter. Yeah. And then well, you know, yeah, okay. even pre-Twitter. But I mean, you know, you you know, you've made it as a music critic, especially like in the hip hop world, where you have like, oh, I don't know. Sticky fingers, like not sticky fingers. Who's the idiot? The real idiot in that group, Fredo, step to you on the street and call you all sorts of names. I felt like I had accomplished my goal in front of my child. I thought that that was that was nice really classy. Yeah. I was like, that's good. Real classy. Yeah, it was real classy. I was like, and you are, um, and but you guys made the Strokes famous, and you will never live that down. Not that's you true. guys, your country. Elevated yeah, that, yeah, band. but they had a moment, they did and, have a moment, yeah. Listen, but it's a moment, it's mm. UK made Blondie famous, they were, they've yeah. always been way more famous there well, than well, here. Well, UK made Jimi Hendrix famous, you know, and, and it I doesn't get better than that, okay. I guess, <laughs> um, yeah. and now, I, I, yes, that is true. <laughs> the band that I grew up He's thinking they were British when sparks. I found out they were two Jewish guys from LA, it was like myth <laughs> <myths> shattered. <laughs> Myth shatter. All right. I just uh, need to talk about the sugar babes for a minute. Because... And, and yeah, <laughs> why do you think some why bands do you... don't translate? They worked, they came here, they worked with Dallas Austin, had number one hits over there with him. Why do you think that did not transfer here? Because they did try to work records here and they've had like round round, I believe was either number one or number two on the Billboard dance chart. And they've had like one or two others that made the dance chart. But I think like, Push the button, maybe got a, a Billboard Hot 100 position at like number 99 or something. Why do you think that did not transfer over? I, I'm too old to answer that question. Oh, <laughs> <please>. <laughs> I'm almost too old to answer that Oh question. my God, make I mean, something look, I mean, up I, for Christ's all right. sake. Yeah, I'm going to make something up. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's going to be a series of alternative facts. Thank um, you. Um, uh, I, you know, I think the short, like, made up answer is that I think. Uh, and it's not just, you know, like R&B acts, but in America, there is um, a kind of there's a, an ingrained belief 
that we can't do certain kinds of music. Mm. Um, I know there have been a lot of big acts in America, but uh, big British acts that have translated there. But I, I, I sort of have felt over the years that when it comes to R&B, to soul, to, to funk and so forth, you know, we're not taking, we, it's like we, we just don't really have it in our DNA to do it convincingly. Mm. Even if we think we've done it quite well sometimes. I mean, if you think about like Brit funk and mm. those groups, I mean, we were quite fond of them and some of them made a couple of decent records, but mm. the truth is they were not as good as their American equivalent. I don't think Mark might disagree, but no, I just I, don't. I, I and I think the Sugar Maze Babes made some really good records, but mm. were they, I mean, are they as good as Destiny's Child records? Mm. Probably not at the end of the day. I don't know. And I also think, I mean, your point is, is really, I mean, we do tend to be very proprietary towards stuff yes. and our black music is coming out of a, 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 a fundamentally a church kind of tradition yes. that you don't have there. It's American blacks as opposed to West Indian. We don't have that West Indian uh, influence at all. But on the other hand, the UK soul thing among a very small Select but group. very influential yeah. group of people was huge here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you know, yeah. in in a, in in certain pockets of certain neighborhoods, it was everywhere. So, but you they know, are pockets, aren't they? They're pockets. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd say if Terence Trent Darby hadn't lost his marbles, I think he would have probably become a major star in America. I think he would have done it. He's American. Well, he's American. That is a very, very good point. Which a lot of people did not realize. <laughs> well, he made he sure he didn't realize it. That he was but, from the UK. But yeah. I, 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 but Barnes' point's broadly true. I, th I, th I think that's right. It's um, really interesting to me that that somebody like Lewis Taylor, who I'm fairly obsessed with, and, and you I guys turned me on yeah. to him. Yeah, you... I mean, this is a white Jewish guy <laughs> from North London, um, who you know, I I know, you know, I have met quite a few Americans uh, who really revere uh, him, and he's been written about in you know, the R&B press over there. You know, you guys seem to get him almost in a way that we don't get him or right. a lot of people here Is don't it about him. radio? Is it as much that actually to to break kind of R&B acts, you've got to break black radio and black radio in America is very conservative. It's yeah. very, it's very, and it's, it's a tough place with a small playlist that's playing a lot of the yeah. same records because black R&B radio, unfortunately here in America, is not even really playing a lot of, black artists here who make primarily R&B music. Yeah. And, right. you know, a lot of them feel very tuned out at radio. And where streaming is really good, the difference is if you get on the radio, you see the difference in your streaming numbers, right? Because, you know, I always tell my friends here in New York, I'm like, yeah, we always say we don't listen to the radio much. I'm like, but we're not in our cars the way other people are. Like some people here are in our cars, but in mm -hmm. all my other places, everybody gets in their car to drive to work, to drive to school. So they are still turning on the radio yeah, and it yeah. may be Sirius XM, like a lot of cars that come with satellite radio, but it is still radio. Then you yeah. go into work and you might be listening to your Spotify. You're going to listen to those songs. So it really is a driver. And Black radio in the U.S., honestly, I feel has failed Black artists in this country. For sure. It, certain people are getting played. Like right now, Summer Walker just put out a record here. I know it also came out in the U.K. It's number one here. and But there's a lot of R&B artists that put out records who are not not 
getting nothing you know what i mean it's like you really have to search and find and find their records but i know for me like as a fan of you know i kind of anglophile in in some ways as a fan it was very disappointing for me but i understood why where it's all of a sudden in the mid 90s you had british artists doing their approximation of an r kelly record or that kind of sound i was like we we do that better guys so why don't you do what you do yeah yeah and let us you know it's like that is kind of our lane and R. Kelly's issues aside, he was the king of that lane uh, at, at that point. Why are you guys doing that yeah. when you bring something so different? You know? I always thought one of the great paradoxes in, in, in hip hop is how Slick Rick could be big in America, who's, who rapped in a London accent, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, but in those days, the London rappers all rapped in America. All wrapped in American accents, you know, which mm. is just just bogus. And I thought the great irony is there was Slick Rick, a huge star in America, mm-hmm. but but rapping in this totally South London accent, right. which I kind of really liked. I mean, know? you have you have to take into account that uh, most British popular music has been created in response to imported american yeah. sounds you know there's just right. no getting away yeah. from that there are there are obviously genres like folk rock which yeah. predate rock and roll rhythm and blues and so forth and 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 i for one am very proud of those of that music because i think we've made you know incredible music bands like fairport convention you know and, and acts like john martin that Absolutely. that is that is very very british Music, you know, and Briggs, etc. That that tradition. Well, it is, yes, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a mixture. It's absolutely a mixture. It is a John, mixture. You know, John Martin but, took from both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, of course, of, you know, of course, and he Fairport, did. Fairport, but it was identifiably a sort of English product. Yeah. So there, so there is that, and there, so there is music that's identifiably British. But pretty much everything from Lonnie Donegan onwards, or going back to the Chris Barber band. I mean, it's all been in response. To American music, yeah, you know, particularly African American music. So we're always kind of imitating that music. Yeah. Well, would you agree? I mean, there is an imitation, and sometimes you guys show it way more respect than we did. I mean, it, it's the oldest story in the world that a lot of white kids got turned on to a native American blues artist because the Stones were doing it. But there's also sure. sometimes a little bit of fetish fetishization that you guys do with black artists. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, you know, the Stones, etc. In the early sixties, it was this, it was this kind of just love affair with America, and particularly like the Deep South and Chicago. And what you're talking about is a generation of of boys, primarily, who grew up in 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 very boring suburban towns in the 50s who had very little to dream or fantasize about. And then they like heard Muddy Waters and yeah. it just blew their minds. And, you know, uh, we I would mean, talk. Yeah. yeah. And, and there, are, there are other factors like, you know, we forget that um, the United Kingdom was basically a large air base for America yes. right through from the Second World War through to the end of the 60s. Yeah, this is a really important um, strand. In you know, so, so there was yeah. a large number of black servicemen in this country and they had to go somewhere and they wanted right. records they liked played. So they get a lot of Flamingo and these sorts of places in Soho, places like people like Georgie Fame and the Blue Fame playing to them. And they were playing R&B because that's what the audience wanted yeah. to listen Gino to. Gino right. Washington, yeah, exactly. Johnny Johnson, the bandwagon. I mean, they exactly. really were catering to these servicemen who come into Soho on a Saturday night. 
mm-hmm. yeah, and, and wanted to hear American music. So I mean, I, it's such a symbiotic relationship, yeah. Amy Courtney, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it just is. There's no, but but I think at the end of the day, you know, we have to we have to put our hands up and say we've been more imitative, really. Uh, I mean, having said that. Without what the Stones and others did in the early sixties, the, the blues rock boom would not have happened in America well, in the no, same pop, way. That pop, it did. popular yeah, music, as we absolutely. know, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, um, the, the fact is that the people like the Stones and the Beatles. I mean, you know, people like the, the Beatles who would be buying records off dockers who were getting them off boats in Liverpool in 1961, sure. 62, mm. You know, mm. were taking this stuff. Uh, and the Beatles also white stuff like the Everly Brothers, huge for the Beatles, you know, mm. uh, were taking that sort of stuff and doing something really quite different and new with it. You know, yes. so that we, we weren't just, it wasn't just. No, it wasn't like an imitation. Yeah, it yeah. definitely no, wasn't. It like wasn't a pure imitation. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. an imitation. The roots of it were, 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 all, were pretty much always American. So I think yeah, of course. that just has to be acknowledged. There's no getting away. So when you, when you get to a group like, Sugar Babes, it's hard not to see them as as primarily imitative. They're trying to they're trying to make American music, right? And sometimes succeeding, and sometimes not, right? Well, that's like I finally saw, and then I do have to discuss the pressing question. But I finally saw that Jesse Nelson video. Okay, so first off, Courtney and I have discussed for weeks that we thought that she was like, why is this old woman, this old Puerto Rican woman in the group with these (laughs) girls? Who is she? Uh, We're confused, but whatever. That's the best of times. Yeah. (laughs) And then I watched the video and I was like, okay, first off, having Puffy in your video is like dated by 20 years. I was like, is this 1998? Yeah. What happened? You fell asleep. Your audience doesn't even know who this old man is. Why why, is your dad in the video? Why is this happening? This song is dumb. This whole thing is dumb. Yeah, the song is dumb. You're literally like wearing, it's like, oh my God, do you, did someone not say to you, even if you're a black artist, you shouldn't be wearing that shit? And with your low riders and your homies, I'm like, bitch, you're British. You have no homies. You have no low riders. You don't ride. Come on. Yeah, actually, Mark and I do have low riders. Yes. Oh, do you? I can't believe you didn't notice them. When you oh, well, to that's because we didn't drive when we went out to lunch. We walked across the street. Oh, can I, next time. Next time, man. Can All I, right, say, cool. I always find it interesting, though, the ones who get to drip through in different points in time, like Amisha Paris, right? Uh, Amisha yeah. Paris. Now, she didn't really sell a bunch of records here, but she had her record deal here and the albums came out and people like me who really loved her, we bought those records. So there were the ones who got to come through and even though you could hear like influence of maybe American soul, I think she's she's got it. She has yeah. that voice. It's just, she could really sing and it just, her, Church. she could perform and it's, there's something about her, right? But like you said, various degree, varying degrees of success. The first album for her was the most successful. Then you had Contribution, all the other records, and they didn't really chart, but they how put fa- them out here. How familiar are you with things like Grime? I, more yeah, so, yeah, more and more so. That is that's very British. Yeah, that is absolutely incomprehensible yeah. because of uh, Top uh, Boy. Because I watched Top Boy, and then well, I, know from Boy, I remember like So Solid Crew. Yeah, I mean, this, this is proper urban English British music. Yeah, uh, yeah. yes, it's absolutely steeped in hip hop, but 
but yeah. it's also steeped all kinds of stuff, other stuff like sort of dance or reggae and so on and so forth. It's all merged together. Yeah. Um, it's also guys on their laptops who don't know one end of the musical instrument from another. Uh, this will send our dear friend Nelson George into fury because he particularly pointed out how much he disliked that. I love it. I mean, I, 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 Nelson I doesn't like grime. He doesn't like people music made by non-musicians on computers. Oh, I'm sorry. I That's think, like I think, an entire uh, genre of music. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, I don't, uh, we, we may be being slightly unfair here. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, but, but um, the, the, the thing about grime is, is that it sounds like London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to that. That sounds like the city I live in, you know, right. in a way that hip hop never does. But right. it still would not have happened without American hip hop. No, I agree. I agree. You know? I agree. So, so but, I mean, I, I don't think it really changes the point, but it does something new with it, just like the Stones did something new with American rhythm and blues, you know. So I it's a it's it's a it's a conversation that goes back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And dance right. music, you know, dance music, you've got a house yeah. coming out of Chicago, and yeah. techno coming out of Detroit. Uh, 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 and those have had a massive influence on British music in all kinds of yeah. ways, mm-hmm. where they don't sound American at all now. You know, it, right. it, 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 you know, it's been so sort of sculpted and worked on, knocked around, and it, it sounds like a completely different beast. And the problem with Sugar Babes, they don't sound like a different beast. They sound like an impersonation of the real thing. Right. What? All right. I'm just curious. All right. In what in give me one sentence why you hate Oasis so much. <laughs> first two albums. First two albums. That's all I'm gonna give you. First two albums. That's it. Um okay. So why well, did, did somebody hurt you, Bronnie? Did someone hurt you? <laughs> what what did Oasis? Did they hurt, hurt you? They hurt <laughs> no, no, they, they they haven't hurt me yet. Um <laughs> they may hurt me you know, after whatever the hell I say, you know, and I, you know, I, I suppose, you know, in one, you know, probably long sentence, <laughs> be careful what you ask for. Uh, my feeling about Oasis is there was really not, I mean, I've always said they just microwaved old Beatles riffs, basically. They just, they just warmed over some borrowed Beatles riffs and and presented it as something original. And it just was entirely unoriginal. It was also like half-assed and dumbed down and um, willfully kind of stupid, like, uh, is my feeling. It just... <laughs> It just, it Other than that, any, Barney. I was, I was like, about to say, he doesn't really have an opinion on that. Entirely unsexy. Entirely devoid oh, of Oh, my God. Girls, now, you, listen. You I, might, he's you an might asshole, have but Liam was cute. Okay, he's an this asshole. Amy, Amy, Amy. Which one married the all Liam, he married all married everyone. Everyone. Amy married Lynn. No, he's an asshole. He's a fucking asshole. He's the type of guy that Lynn that you lend money to and he never comes back. He's a fucking dick. Oh, but I will say that no Gallagher on talk shows is hilarious. Oasis's audience was almost entirely male. Uh, mm-hmm. Two weeks apart in 1995, or uh, I saw Blur and Oasis Blur, the Wembley Arena, Oasis Earls Court. Blur's audience was very mixed. A lot of women in that crowd. 
Oasis, it was like the Nuremberg Rally on Special Brew. It was entirely <laughs> tins of high strength. I'm going to be forced oh to listen God. to Champagne Supernova. All right, yeah, here, just, I will I've defend just, the Oasis. It's just, really not great, it's just not yeah. great rock and roll music. Oh, it's my really God. You know cool. who also listen. loves Oasis? Michael Gonzalez. So there are, I just I love understand. the bigness, the anthemicness. I know yeah. that they're idiots. I know okay. all the backstory. I know yeah. that there's just something. I must listen. You guys have been fooled into thinking that I'm way smarter than I actually am. Um, I like hook, 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 hook. I'm not a, I'm not a deep singer. They're not even great hooks. No, they're not. There's nothing bad. I'm not going to win this argument. All right, I'm not going to win this argument. No, right, stop. I'm not going to win this argument. It's three against one. I feel... I feel triggered and bullied. <laughs> you, you brought it on yourself. I know, young I know. Lady. I know. What you you invited it. Well, you could put on the new Adele and go to sleep. I know. <laughs> Good point. I, I like Adele much more I, than I like Oasis. Yes, <gasps> I love Adele. Adele is beautiful. I love her first album. Yep. I love Adele. And That's you, special, you, though. You always oh. know that when you're going to get a great Adele song and it's going to be big, but it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting with Adele. Yeah. Are you still going to listen to her when she releases her album called 45? When right. She's 75. I, I'm, right. I'm hoping to be alive when she releases she's 75. She's like the, the seven up of singers. Like every seven years, she'll put out a record and it'll be her very age. Small. Okay. Well, I, very small. I'm going to wait for her very midnight small. crisis record because, you know, that's the one when everybody decides, I feel like dancing, so this I'm is gonna my be, dance album. I'm going to be really contemptuous. And my mm-hmm. huge regret mm-hmm. was that she lost weight. I know that sounds mm-hmm. a terrible thing to say, mm-hmm. but... It's like one thing was marvelous about her when she first emerged. She was a normal looking woman, you mm-hmm. know, with broad hips and she could whatever, have been in a Dovad. She could have been in a Dovad. You know, mm-hmm. and now she's obviously spent God knows how long losing this, eating that. She uh, and it's like you've just just you're just doing what the business demands of you in the most depressing sort of way. All right, I will defend her because I agree in a way, but first off, for white Americans, she's still overweight. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, if you're not a size zero in this country, you're still overweight. Secondly, if she wanted to do it, she did it. I, I, I think yeah, but her looked, first record was a huge hit in America. It was. Yeah, it's true. When she was still, you know, overweight. Enjoy, yeah. Maybe she just wanted to get healthy. You yeah, know what I, I mean, mean, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to fault there anybody. Is that. I will not fault that. anybody for wanting to get healthy. Some of know? us reg- re- uh, respond to stress by not eating. Some of us, Amy raises hand, responds to stress by eating. So <laughs> nobody lost weight during the pandemic, right? So well, I did because I, you know, I went vegetarian. Remember that whole year when I was like, I'm not eating anything. And it was really good. But I was really angry a lot and just yelling at people (laughs) on the telephone because I was hungry. Oh, I've been a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian. And chocolate is a vegetable. All right. What are you guys listening to? What are you guys reading or listening to these days? Oh, reading. Or reading, uh, or because I'm going to talk about a book because I haven't listened to anything oh, in a while. Did you? I thought you said, "What are you guys reading?" Oh, yeah. Reading or listening to anything you want to talk about, just current stuff that you're into or not current stuff. Well, I'm reading a a, a book by uh, a compatriot of yours, Timothy Snyder, who's a professor at is it Yale or Harvard? It's a book called The Road to Unfreedom. Um, he wrote a book called On Tyranny, and this is a follow-up to that. And it is, um, 
it it it's it's about you know uh primarily about putin and um the invasion of ukraine but it's it's really anyway i it's it's very very interesting on the new autocracy and um what's happened in the world in the last like six years so i'm really really fascinated by that it was he was recommended to me by one of our other podcast guests james fox who uh who essentially wrote keith richards's autobiography and oh that was a great book He's a, he's a great, great journalist. Um, and he said, you've got to read Timothy Snyder. So what else? Uh, what have I been listening to? Um, I'm, I'm looking at various things that I put on a playlist. And I, what have I liked? Um, I liked about half of the second Billie Eilish record a lot. Um uh, and I liked the Laura Mavula record quite like a, lot. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, she seems to just get kind of overlooked, but um, we talked really about that like on the show. Right. House. There's like, black she, radio. She, There's she's black got radio. Black radio. She doesn't fit records, into a right. slot. And they, yeah. you, you can see they listen to this music. And what we said about this last record is this is a great record, but I was like, well, this is not going to get any Never. black yeah. American <laughs> anything. Cause they're, they're, they're we, like, we don't know how to, what this right. fits in here. Yeah, which is a shame. Yeah. yeah, there's a track called "What What Matters" that I just loved, and then there's there's a really sort of really great track called "Church Girl," which is about mm-hmm. like her her sort of her own like gospel roots, I think, and and they're just fabulous. Very well, quite Jam and Lewis influenced actually. When we had Nelson George on the podcast, Jam and Lewis had just uh, released their. Their very first album, album as yeah. Jam and Lewis. So uh, I think you guys talked about that yeah. too. In fact, I heard your episode on that. So oh, you. we're in sync there. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And um, you know, Mark and I go way back as Jam and Lewis fanatics. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to hear their influence in things like uh, uh, Laura M- Mavula. Mm. Do you pronounce it Mavula? Mavula? Mavula. Must Mavula. Be. Yeah, Mavula. Yeah, Mavula. We're American. Yeah. We don't so know. So Church Girl is a, is a great kind of little homage to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. We um, pronounce uh, it Greenwich, so clearly we don't know anything. <laughs> we pronounce it Greenwich. Oh, oh dude, I thought you said Greenwich. You said no, Greenwich. we don't say Greenwich. Okay. Where I'm staying, I'm about 10 minutes drive from a place called Berkeley, which you would call Berkeley. You know, so mm. it's spelled. How's it spelled? It's spelled exactly the same. Exactly the same. Oh. Um, I've been, I don't, I don't, I, I'm trying to, I, I mean, I read a lot of, I've been reading a lot about Trump recently, just about every book that's come out about the last, the last don't year of the Trump do it. No, no, <laughs> it is fascinating. I find it endlessly fascinating. In terms of reading about pop music, I generally don't do it because my day job is reading about pop music. Right. So the last thing I want to do, yeah. but I did because everyone was saying it was really interesting, get the Tommy James book about oh. myself and the mafia. And it's terrible. I mean, oh. it's, a, it's a really interesting story. I He claims that mm-hmm. Tommy James and the Shondells were I was going to ask big... you if it was Tommy James and the Shondells, okay? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know, well, one, one of yeah. the biggest bands in America. Well, I've never had a sense of that. I mean, he claims that their records were banned in England after they refused to come over to do a specific television event, which may or may not be true. But his ego is extraordinary. He just, he just you know, it's like everything that happened in the 60s, early 70s rock and roll doesn't exist. It's all about him versus, you know, whichever other pop act it was. 
Mm. Um, and he, and he's 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 there is in literally in bed with Mo Levy, the biggest gangster in the music business history. And not actually in bed, I think. Not, we, metaphorically. That's an image. Metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. Metaphorically. And, and it's extraordinary. He knew everything that was going on, and yet he never left him. He basically roulette records were Tommy James and the Shondells for about five years. You know, uh, there's no sort of self-awareness in this book whatsoever. Uh, and it's, it's a dismal read. It's ghosted by someone, God knows who. I'm uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, in you? terms of in terms of music, I mean yeah. uh the only pop music I've really liked these last three years or so is Lizzo, who I absolutely adore. Um, I don't really listen to Listen to the first anymore. half of our show when this comes out. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm I loved her. When she was putting out her independent singles, I really dug the first album. I need her to get focused and go in there. And st- She's become so fucking annoying. It's like that I forget that she makes music. It's like, you need to go someplace, yeah. concentrate, <laughs> And make a great album. Put well, on your pants and make an album. Well, maybe because it's not shoved down our throats so much. It, it all just sounds great to me at the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. but I, I like, what I do is I go to some kind of little church halls in Southeast England and watch people playing free improvised music. That's what nice. turns me on these days. Nice. I just listen to improvised, not free jazz, it's improvised music. That's and that's what I play now as well. An old ex R and B player. I don't play R and B anymore. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a free improvised musician. Been I is SH Fernando one of your writers? No, no. You need to get him as a writer. So we his, need you to bring a many of your okay. Yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do RBP. That. No, I'll do that. But all right. So I actually have probably met him a million times, and I don't remember because that's just the way he, he he writes skiz. That's his his kind of pen name. But um, he has written a book, the Wu-Tang Saga from the Streets of Shaolin. And I asked him to send it to me because I was really interested. Uh, ben Merlis, your pal Ben Merlis and our pal Maggie mm. Gonzalez have poll quotes on it. All right. I like the Wu-Tang Clan because all white people are legally obligated to like the Wu-Tang Clan. But I am not <laughs> obsessive about the Wu-Tang Clan. I like Clan. the Wu-Tang Clan. Do you? Yeah, they were, we're legally obligated. Dipset <laughs> and the Wu-Tang Clan. We have to like them. Um, this book is... I'm not going to lie. I The first 150, 200 pages are, are, are set. It's a long book. 150 pages are pretty much dedicated to the backstory. It is a fascinating look at New York in the 70s, 80s, about the yeah, five yeah. percenters, about the, uh, you know, the the whole that whole movement is which is a very New York movement, which went directly into hip hop. He the research on this. I mean, did you know that Ruth Brown is Rakim's aunt? No, me That's neither. Brilliant. That's yeah. fantastic. Did you know that Tom Morello's great uncle was Jomo Kenyatta? No. <laughs> yeah, I would leave. Are these, I would, are these I, facts or alternative facts? This is, you know, just, just to be clear. Um, so it's a really interesting book. And then it goes into like a track by track of every album. And you can just kind of skip ahead to like the method stuff and the RZA stuff and, you know, every single soul album. But it's a fat. It really is a fascinating book. And it's fascinating in the sense of the research. And he has a nice little smackdown of a writer, which I'll tell you off camera, which is just really <laughs> a little a little tidbit for me. So it's a really good book. And that, I mean, that's, that sounds great. That sounds yeah, great. no, it's really it's interesting. It's well, really we're legally we're legally obligated to read it, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know that Ma- Max Roach is Fab Five Fred's uncle? Yes, I think? that I think that's that, right. that I yeah that I did know. But this is just it, it was just. 
he just did a, he's a, he's one of the first writers to write about them. And, and, um, it, there's just great stuff in there. There's just great, great, but the five percent or stuff, because there's never been like a really seriously in-depth look at their influence, especially on hip hop and, and that they were the dominant force between uh, behind so many rappers in the eighties right. and nineties, sure, you know, sure, like, sure, and sure. it's something that was kind of overlooked. And then music wise, I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. I have no idea why, but I just like her, you know, but I haven't been listening to, you know, Courtney turns me on. We, I listened to the Silk Sonic <laughs> record. It's good. We, you, yeah. we love that first, love that lead track. Yeah. I'm not a Bruno Mars fan, so I really just don't care. Yeah. I have the album. I have not played it. I just don't care. Right now, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I'm you do, you do, Courtney, you I'm, do disdain yeah. so beautifully. No, he is, like, he is, is it disdain. Yeah. He is yeah. the Duke yeah. of disdain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's disdain. All, yes. It's all too is. much. I just yeah. don't care. But I am caring about this Hard Feelings record, which is so oh, good. It's what's a, that? It's a Joe Goddard of Hot Chip and Amy Douglas, who is a New York City-based singer-songwriter vocalist. Oh. She, Amy wrote Roisin's Something More from Roisin Machine. Okay. From, and um, they have an album. It's a self-titled album called Hard Feelings. It's Hard Feelings, Hard Feelings. And it is a mixture of like synth pop, house, new wave and dance and it is just a solid solid really really good dance album of beats and great lyrics it's eight songs and great singing and great production and i've had it on repeat all oh, great week through the weekend it's really well cool. love love hot chip love a yeah. lot of hot chip it's it really good, good. it's yeah. really this is courtney turns me on to the coolest shit and that I had, you know, kind of because we are, well, you know, our musical tastes both mesh and go in disparate directions. And and um, so I'm really grateful for this because, as you know, now that I'm no longer an award winning journalist, I don't get sent things and nobody sends you things anyway. So it's cool to discover this stuff. You and know, also, it, I've been listening to this other dance house music album that came out in September by a group called Boogie Hill Faders, and it's called The Formula. And that's another good album. So I've just been grooving with those records. And really, I've been listening to, for some reason, I've been going through my Nana Cherry catalog oh, and playing yeah. a lot of Nana Cherry. Mm. You never go wrong with that. You yeah. never I mean, go wrong. very much the first album. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think anything she did after that was... I will fight for homebrew. I will fight for homebrew. I will fight for fight fight man. To me, and man, I will fight for those two albums. Great. Now, if you talk about the catchiness, the singles bursting through with the image, the first album is absolutely yeah. iconic. Homebrew, I think, is a great record, and I thought the man really man's to a great me is record. it's written beautifully, it's sang beautifully. I love, 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 and I like I like the blank space. I like the the last record she put out, and you know, listen, some of them to varying degrees of success, but I always think that her work yeah. is solid. So sometimes yeah. I just get in the mood and start digging through her stuff and then I just she's, go down she, a K-hole. She's also, she's a really interesting woman. I mean, mm. and I love the way that she's lived through her life up to the sort of current point, mm. the great deal of dignity and so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah, I saw yeah, a yeah. Uh, Vivian Golden put on this thing in this place in East London about five years ago about the punky reggae party. It was about how punk and reggae, and it's Vivian on the stage sort of like, 
you know, doing her stuff. Vivian doing Vivian. Vivian doing Vivian. Yeah, she was marvelous. Which the rock, prof- the pop professor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but 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 Nana she... was the DJ that night. Her and mm-hmm. a woman called Andy Oliver, a pair of them, the DJ. Oh, and Andy, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. playing just great sort of funk and R and B and all that sort of stuff. And she just beamed. She was behind the turntables and just with bigger smile on her face. So you know, just someone who just loves stuff like that. Much. Yeah. So just you know, just adore. So I've enormous amount of time for her. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, good. Amy, Amy, yeah. Amy, got yes. I got to ask you the Barney, you Barney, Barney. Sent an email yesterday. You sent me and, an email, and I'm going to quote this email to you. <laughs> Remind me to tell you about the first time I met the delightful Ben, friend of the show, Merlis. Well, you've already mentioned Ben. Um, <laughs> He was six. And fun <laughs> fact, his equally delightful dad, the great Bob Merlis, gave me and my best friend, who was actually a friend of his, tickets to see the Sex Pistols at Winterland, hence setting into motion my downward spiral. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, we so need tell us about that. Right, Courtney, about may I? Spiral. I'll do it very briefly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So my best friend, who is my best friend forever, I mean, we might as well be married. In, in, a, in a, We are each other's one true love. The most romantic evenings we've ever spent in our lives have been with each other. We love each other. I love her more than pretty much anything. Um, she was friends with Merlis. She knew Merlis back in the day. She knew Merlis just from back then. So when he came to San Francisco with the Sex Pistols in 1978, and she and I went to Mabuhay to meet him, and I was underage, so I mean, I guess he got me into Mabuhay, and um, I'd never even been there. And he's like, oh, are you going to go to the Sex Pistols show? And I'm like, no, of course not. It's been sold out for a minute. And he literally was like, bam. And I was like, oh, my God, I went to see the Sex Oh, there's my cat is hiding. I'm very pissed at her. Um, (laughs) So we saw the Sex Pistols. We went, you know, to the party afterwards where Richard Meltzer was bounced off the stage by Bill Graham because he was just being Richard Meltzer. And it was great. And I pretty much went home, went to my boyfriend's house and was like, Get all this Steve Miller shit out of the house. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> and cut my hair and, you know, hilarity. Well, 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 Junkie hijinks ensued from there. Well, okay. Well, Junkie no, well, hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can carry on. Yeah. No. Okay, Ben. So Candace still remains friend with Merlis. And they used to have this huge party, New Year's Eve party every year, where Swamp Dog would perform yes. and make Swamp Dog food, which was great. It was all like the chosen Jew hipster record company guys. You know what I mean? You know that crew. So we're all down there and we go to Merlis's house and uh, he's got this, you know, nice little house, um, tons of tab because he's obsessed with tab. This is before Lucian, before my son was born. And he one of his kids, he brings out one of his kids and his kid is going to do the old Indian rope trick. <laughs> so he That's does the old Indian rope <laughs> trick, which is I don't know, it involved a rope and he was like six and. That's how I met Ben. And according to Ben, he did that just for me and Candace to show off. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, we 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 bookend the Sex Pistols story. I saw about their fourth ever show. They played my art school in London in November 1975. Uh, And I mean, I remember it. That's I mean, I saw so many bands around time, but I've completely forgotten. I have a vivid memory of that show. Viv Albertine was there. She went and formed the slits. I did fuck all. Um, <laughs> but but uh, and, and Johnny Rotten was on the stage saying, you're all too... There's only about 40 people. It's empty. It's half empty. There's virtually no one there. And he's saying, you're all too old. You're all too old. And I was thinking, God, he's right. I am. 
And then I discovered later he's precisely one day older than me. He was born <laughs> exactly. He's born on the 31st of January. And I was born on the 1st of February, 1956. So we're one day apart. But he's saying, you're all too old, you're all too old. And I'm returning around and the guy by the mixing desk had its curly hair and his kind of bright staring eyes. I thought, he's an interesting cove. Of course, that was Malcolm McLaren. It was an interesting evening, but they were pretty terrible. Once again, you're using this really weird yardstick to judge music, competency and no. quality. I don't know what. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no you're, you're, you're right. It was a very early gig for a start. Yeah. So it's not about competence, but I don't think it even got their shit together, really. But didn't they legendarily what... kind of sound like shit at a lot of shows? Wasn't that kind of the thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know. You, you're, you're absolutely right. The thing is, I, I'd never seen anything like that before. Mm. And when he said, you're all too old, and I was mm. thinking, yes, I am. It's because I didn't get what they were doing, right? Uh, be, honestly. And, you know, up to that point, I, mean, I was really into black music. I was really into funk and so on and so forth. And I loved rock and roll, too. And they were a bit of a shock to the system. They really mm. were a shock to the system. <laughs> but like I said, I really remember that gig. And I can remember so few other shows from around 1975, 76. You know, I was in high so school in 1975. Well, I'm the this oldest a, person in this virtual room. <laughs> you understand that? There's a great story in Lenny Kay's new book uh, about when the Patsy Smith group played the Roundhouse in London, which I saw in May 76. And they went on from that. I didn't realise this until I read Lenny's book, which is just out now. Um, so he and I guess Patsy... They go to the 100 Club, the famous 100 Club on Oxford Street, where the Pistols are playing that night. And Lenny jumps up on stage towards the end of the Pistols set and, like, you know, plays on whatever the last, like, couple of tracks are. And then and then goes, and they're doing an encore, and Rotten grabs the mic and, and, and says, oh, who's been down the roundhouse tonight? Horses, horse shit, hippie horse shit. <laughs> you know, so it's not only like attacking the, the Rolling Stones and all the old dinosaurs. He's even like basically lumping Patty and Lenny. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, actually, you know, Patty and Lenny um, were both born in like 1946. They're really not a lot younger than like Mick Jagger and Keith Richards and Bob Dylan. That's right. In I hadn't book, quite realised until we were, yeah. we were talking to Lenny. Well, that's right. In, in the book, he talks about um, him and Patty in like 1972, and he says, we are 29. It's like, what? Yeah. You were 29 in 1972? <laughs> wow. Jesus right. Christ. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, mean, I may have got that the details wrong, but that that's that roughly the, right. I think yeah. it's roughly right. You know, makes um, sense. Um, so, uh, but anyway, um, uh, but yeah. So downward spirals, Sex Pistols, Winterland. Remind me never to ben email Malice. you before we tape anything. <laughs> <laughs> Did it ever occur to you, Barney? I've known you for many years. That maybe this was a private conversation between friends, and I didn't need my shit. <laughs> put out on front street like that but that's okay yeah, yeah. Except, except, <laughs> except she probably We've talks about that every episode show. you yeah, told yeah. this story on the show so well it's true because ben this, was there it was this, there this story, which is why i figured out it. all right well, guys, you can edit it out amy you can just edit it out no 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 we keep all it we keep it all in things we've edited out is moments where we've had to look at each other after the show's over we'll call each other and be like 
You know, I think, <laughs> I, think I think when I threatened you know, to kill the president, why yeah. was you threatened to kill the president on the first show? I was like, I think we should take that out because Courtney was like, like, you you are a school teacher. Maybe you don't want to be on record was, saying you'd like, like the president like, to die. This is show number one. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I think we should. And then you know, I've said some things. You know, I've worked with some people. At one time, I found myself talking a bit too much, and after I was listening back, and I was like, bitch. No. <laughs> you can't know. Dino Popeye. This, this, this has to go. Well, thank right. you, Mark and Barney. We, oh, I am so, so glad you did. You know, you know, I adore you guys, and we adore that you support us and have really from the beginning. And we love that we're like in the same family together now, yeah, the Pantheon yeah, yeah. family. We are and hopefully, family. inshallah, I can come to England sooner than later and see you guys. I'm we're all boosted up beyond. If yeah. I get it at this point, there's no hope. I mean, I mean it's yeah. like we are over boosted. I'm over boosted. We've been yeah. stuck. We've been plugged. We've it's been trapped. ridiculous. We've done fucking everything. I haven't had this many needles in my arm since the eighties. But boom. Okay. <laughs> boom, boom. And on that note, thank you, everybody. You thank know you what so it is. much. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank Alrighty. you. Thank you. Remember, Look you guys yourself. out there. Remember. <laughs> You go to Rockback Pages to their website. What's what's the website address, guys? Rocksbackpages.com. There you, you go. Have to fig- you're gonna have to figure out how to spell that yourself. Just right. put in Rocksback Pages. <laughs> it should it should pop up. And, Enjoy. And, yeah, you thank know, you. Follow their podcast. It's on the Pantheon podcast, just like we are. You know where we are every week. You guys follow us. Remember to like, share, do all the good stuff, and we will see you next week. Stay safe, guys. Thank you.